Good evening. Afternoon. Whatever it is. It's not morning. So that's to be one or the other. Final week of the sermon series Permission. We hopefully have learned throughout this series about different topics time, talent, treasures, relationships. And this week is about things. Ask your neighbor, say, is your things important to you? Is your things important? You need to determine, is it important to you? But what things? It could be anything. Things covers a wide array of information. So as we're looking today, I want us to go to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read through verses 8 through the end of the chapter. So let's stand as we read uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And following. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things, everybody says things, are true. Wherever you see the word things, you've got to say that part. I'm not reading it all. So, okay. Finally, brethren, whatsoever are true, whatsoever are noble, whatsoever are just, whatsoever are pure, whatsoever, whatsoever things are of, uh oh, I said things. I stole your part. Is it going to switch? Okay. Of good report. If there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. The which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though surely you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid to me once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from your Ephroditus the... Donna, you was the only one. Sent from you a sweet-smelling aroma... An acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God, our God and Father, be glory and forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you also. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all the things in our life that you've given us. God, I just pray today that, Lord, that we could be able to open our mind, open our hearts to be receptive to what you would say to us today. Lord, cause us to have, cause these things that are said today to be in remembrance throughout the week. Help us to understand, God, that it's all yours anyway, and help us to be good stewards, just as your word tells us to be, of the things that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor when you sit down. And say, take care of your things. Take care of your things. You need to learn to take care of them. It's amazing how many times in this little short portion of Scripture, in this uh, Philippians chapter 4, this final uh, chapter, 
of Philippians as Paul's writing to the church this uh, it's really the salutation the ending here that he is uh, saluting the saints and telling them about all this that the word things is there so many times and I've never in my life I have studied Philippians chapter 4 over and over and over again and read it multiple I don't know how many times in my Christian life and I never noticed how many times the word things stuck out in this verse but until you start paying attention to something or are looking for it you'll not see it you'll not recognize it it's kind of like whenever you buy a new car maybe or something that if uh, you hadn't noticed all those cars before and then you buy this certain type of car or certain color of a car then you're driving to town it's like you see them all over the place well there's one well there's one there's one and it's like it causes an attention to come to it now you begin to see it because it's something that you recognize and these words things stuck out to me and it's amazing that uh, that God wants us to ask for permission about all these different topics we've been talking about and D Pastor Dusty done an awesome job last week we listened to it uh, last night when Leslie was uh, uploading it to the to the website so that others could hear out in uh, the World Wide Web world that could be anywhere uh, it's kind of amazing that somebody uh, all over could listen to a sermon we've had people from foreign countries actually uh, listen to the link sometimes it's posted so it's amazing how far you can reach if you'll just do little things like that of putting a scripture up so thank you pastor dusty for speaking last week on relationships he gave you some really good tips on uh, the five love languages and how to uh, look at those and evaluate those learn who you are learn who your partner is or learn who you're in relationship with and study those and when you study them uh, act out and work on those five things and as you do your relationships will grow you'll steward your relationship better and I love it when you get practical something you can apply it's applicable to your life from church because church should apply to how we live amen it should be a life-changing scenario every week when we walk into a service so as we're looking at this Paul is writing here to the church in, in, in Philippi and he's telling them you know that there's these things that he's trying to speak to them about he said whatsoever things are noble whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are true think on these things it's about keeping a positive mindset and and that's not easy I don't know about you but sometimes I struggle I get in the uh, I used to call them the molly grubs all the time Leslie told me that she didn't even think that was a word but I if I make it up and I say it then it becomes a word like I, I created a word so I'm I'm creative like that and uh, real artsy and all that you know um, so the molly grubs so I get down if I don't think on the right things if I think on negative things the more negative I become anybody else guilty of that you ponder on it you wonder too long you let your mind rest on issues going on and maybe struggles that you're facing in different uh, circumstances in your life but God is telling us here to think on the pure things the true things the good things and as we think on these good things it'll change our attitude and the outcome will be different how many wants your outcome to become different that your attitude would change, that it'll shift, that it'll take on new dimensions. So as, as we're thinking about this, it's amazing that uh, sometimes in our life that things become so important that we're co so consumed by things that it overtakes us, that we become engulfed with things. And the Bible's very clear in the Old Testament. The, the Bible talks about it. It's even in the Ten Commandments that God was speaking to the Israelites that they should have no idols. There should be no idols idols is things 
And multiple times in Scripture, you'll see that there's different people that would struggle with hoarding things or holding on to different things. And I was reading through uh, this past week about the, uh, Jacob when he went out and he, he served his father-in-law and he, he, he got, ended up with two wives from his father-in-law. Heaven help him. Lord have mercy. Can you imagine? Just impossible to even think about it. He had two wives, though, Leah and Rachel. And, and as he's there and serving and, 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 and herds are growing and different things are happening... And as he begins to want to leave and go back to his home country, he, he gathers up his wife, his kids, all of his herds and all these things. You remember the story as he travels out. And as he takes off, Rachel grabs some things that belongs to her father, Laban. And as they travel out through the wilderness and they're taking off and away and going away, the father wakes up the next morning and sees that his things are missing. Everybody say things. These things become important to us, and we will do anything to keep our things. We're so engulfed with things. So, so as he, he looks and he begins to be worried, he's like, oh, no, who took my stuff? And he takes off and he chases down his son-in-law and his daughters. You remember the story? And she's, she's out there, and, and she, she winds up. She stays in the tent and says it's her, it's her time that uh, things are going on in her life during that season of the month. And she's there, and she's sitting down, and she says, Dad, I can't get up because I'm sitting here. And he says, okay, I won't check. And then he looks around, looks all over. He can't, never finds these things. It's the last time they're mentioned in Scripture. But people get so ensnared or entangled by their things look how he was even treating his family how often do we mistreat others even the ones we love even the ones we cherish because of things so as we think about this it's just amazing to me that Paul's writing and telling us all these things and I was looking this week and I, I come across this uh, website that's a, it's, it's a, a Christian website that's a, talking about things in the church. Let me get to the right spot here. Somehow I'm on Facebook. That wasn't what I wanted on. Here we go. Okay. This website is for church leaders and it's, it's a, an author is writing this uh, uh, top, on the topic of uh, American Idols. And I done a sermon a few years ago entitled American Idols and about how idols can take over our life. So as we're talking about things, we need to talk about idols in the church today. And as he's talking about American Idols, he done this survey to, to look and study to see what the most familiar idols would be in the American church if we're truthful. How many needs to be truthful with ourselves? Amen. We need sometimes we need to, to to hold the mirror right in front of us and look at ourselves and quit looking at everybody else and trying to fix everybody else's problems. I need to I need to work on me, right? There there needs to be a season where that we look at ourselves and say, I've got to fix me because I'm messed up. And Jesus even told, you know, the Pharisees that was in a mess, they were out trying to fix everybody else. And he said, How can you fix somebody else when you got a log sticking out of your eye to help the speck in your brother's eye? It's Matthew chapter seven. Jesus was telling them, You can't fix nobody else until you're fixed yourself. And a lot of times we need to look inwardly to say, God, help me become a better version of me, one that you created me to be. So these things, these American idols, this, this author is talking about, and it's kind of amazing. It's America's uh, top gods, if you want to put it, because an idol becomes a god. 
And I'm going to talk about something that's probably going to get on some toes in here. So if you're worried about your toes right now, you might not just put your, just swing around there and put them up in the seat. It'll be okay. Uh, I won't stomp real hard. But this author is the one getting on you, so don't blame me. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. All right, you, you, it's not on me. This is some author. We're, we're talking about him now. So he's got all these gods listed. And, and you know, some of them, it's, it's just uh, amazing to me that how truthful they really are when you think about it. America's top gods. We're going to go from number seven and work our way down to one. One being the most uh, national security. National security. Number seven, national security. That is absolutely true. You listen to the news. You listen to the radio. You listen to read articles in the newspaper. We are engulfed and entrenched in a mindset that we almost worship it as a thing or a idol, national security. We don't look at the rest of the world and look at Syria and say, well, I love Syria and I love the little babies over there that's coming across there that's dying out in boats out in the middle of the water, the same water that Jesus walked beside of. We'll say national security is of utmost importance. Over a baby? Really? Everybody say your things is messed up. If your national security takes precedent over a baby, your religion is not in line with Scripture. Amen? It's, a, it's, it's amazing to me that, that really, because I think this way sometimes. When I think about our borders, and we, we need borders, and we talk about all these issues in our politics and stuff, but it's in reality in our lives. We got locks on our doors. We, we protect our things with locks. We, we lock our car with an automatic uh, little button. Now, I remember, Greg, growing up, that you had to have a key that you got out of your truck and you put the button and you get back in it. You had to stick it in there and unlock it, you know. Now we got this little uh, handy button that we can click to get out of our car and click to get in our car because we want to lock our things up. National security. How much time and attention do we put on security? It's something we need to think about. Number six, money, riches, or wealth. It's amazing to me that if you pull some of this green stuff out of your pocket, and I, I hate it, but we have to work, so that's what we do. The only reason I go to work is because I get this. I don't know about you, Kevin. Would you would you still go to work if they didn't give you any of these? I probably wouldn't. I, I, you know, I, I love it that this is something, and you know, the scripture teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. The love of it. So some people quote that and say all the time, they'll say, well, money's the root of all evil. No, look at your neighbor and say, the love of money is the root of all evil. But I love it that on this, we, we think we're really doing God a favor by putting on the back of these bills, in God we trust. Scripture calls it mammon. It says you can't love God and mammon. You can't love both. We can't, have, we can't have a love for money and a love for God at the same time. I don't like talking about money at church. It really stinks. I wish the church could just operate without any money. Wouldn't that be awesome just to come in and not worry about the 400 and what is it, $70 a month that we have to pay out just to pay for the uh, loan on this church building and, and like the gas that gets put in the tank out back, we wouldn't have to worry about that just like automatically the Derricks would just drive down and be like driving by like, oh look at that church over there, let's just go fill that up for them. It must be nice and, and very friendly to them. Wouldn't that be, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? 
doesn't happen that way, so we have to talk about money sometimes. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's number six on this guy's list. That the church uses this as an idol. And it is, really, because uh, there's churches out there that, as I've studied and looked, and uh, it's amazing. Some of the TV preachers you hear talk about money over and over and over again. Ah, vomit, puke, I hate it, I don't like it. Right? It's, it's no fun to talk about. And, and what I, in some churches you go to, and I've, I've been to these churches that have these big, uh, uh, what do they call them, campaign, uh, uh, where they're raising money. What's it called? Oh, yeah, campaign. I said it. All right, awesome. I got that. I, I, I won the award. No. So they do these money-raising campaigns to try to, to buy a new building or build a new building. Say we wanted a youth center right over there next door and right over there on the other side of our parking lot that we could build a big, nice building just for the youth group so that they didn't have to come in and muddy up the floor for Greg to vacuum every week. And they would actually, you know, where they clean up after themselves, wouldn't that be awesome, Greg? And, you know, if we just had our own building over there, wouldn't it be awesome to do a campaign to buy that and build that? So they'll talk about money in ways like that. But the thing is, when we're doing all that, we're building all these buildings and doing all these things to create church for a place for people to come and meet at. How much of that is eternal? The only thing eternal, not that, not this, not that wall, not that ceiling fans, not those lights. The only thing eternal in this room is sitting in the seats. The soul of man will never die. The people in these seats are the only thing here that's eternal, and that's what should matter. And I'm glad we have a place. I'm glad we've got a place to meet together. I thank God for a building and two buildings, actually. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, how, how blessed Bethesda really is. And, and to think that it started from nothing. That Sister Gartha was sitting up there in a comfortable position as... She was taking care of the Women's Health Center of SOMC. She's the one that made that. She went and traveled to other hospitals and, and made the Women's Center at SOMC. Directed the nursing workforce there and all that. She was the director of the Women's Health Center. Started it from nothing. She knows how to create. And she went and God called her and she got the calling of God to come and start a plant a church in Lewis County. And, and the, the passion was there, the drive was there, and, and God's calling was there. So she goes out and she begins to talk and goes to Bible college and, and studies to become equipped to do the work of the ministry. And she gets back in Lewis County and she's sitting there one day and she meets two nutcase ladies, one of them being Bonnie Collier and one of them Bar Betty Sparks. And they're like, we'd like to start a church too. But there's 70-some churches in Lewis County is what some people would tell them. Why are you starting another church? There's already enough churches. Here's the thing. This past week, on Tuesday, there was one church that took gifts to every kid or teenage student in their ministry to the school. You know what church that is? The one you're sitting in. The one you're a part of. Bethesda. We're the only one. It's amazing to me that when we done that last year, and Greg, we went down there and took the roses in last year, and we took those roses in there, that people would be there and they'd be like, why are you doing this? Because we love our kids. It, it kind of dumbfounded well, well, No other church does this. Yeah, I know. Because no other church is doing what God told them to do. 
Why does there need to be another church in Lewis County? I don't get my feelings hurt when another church gets planted in our, in our territory or in our little zones that we've got. There could be another one come up across the street. You know what I would say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reach all the people you can. Why? Because it's about building God's kingdom because the people are the only thing that's eternal anyway. Nothing else on this planet is going to last other than that. So we are different. And I thank God that even in this verse that we read in Philippians, that Paul says, Philippians, you were the only people that sent aid to me in my time of trouble, in my time of trial. The Philippian church wasn't the only church. There was church in Ephesians, the Ephesus. There was churches at Rome. There was church at Corinth. There was churches in Galatia. There was churches all over. But Paul writes back to the Philippians and says, you was the only one that sent to me and sent aid. You know there's churches over in the Philippines right now today that would not be there if Bethesda didn't partner with Kenton Page Parish. They have house churches over there. They don't even have buildings. And it's not about raising money to go over and build a big church building in the Philippines. You know what they do? They walk up to somebody's house that gets saved, and once Jason and Amy get saved, be like, hey, cool, uh, let us disciple you a little bit, learn about Jesus a little bit, and then you're going to start a church in your home. Then you go up and down Vance Creek and invite other people and start your own little church in your house. It's all part of the parent church. They run around and circulate between churches. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it, Greg? Have a church over there in your house. Jason and Amy have one in their house. We'd have one up in Firebrick with Kevin and Rachel. And, and Can you imagine? House churches. That's the way they're doing it because we partner with them to send a couple to the Philippine Isles. So there's churches that exist today that would not exist if we didn't send aid through our missionaries. That's why I thank God for Bethesda that we're different. That we don't love money more than we love people. How much money did we send last year? A little over $15,000 we sent to missionaries. Amen. That's awesome for a church of 70 people. We told people that down, down in Florida this past week while we was down there, and they said, what? A church your size sending that much money? How, how do you do that? I said, because we don't care about money. It doesn't matter. What's eternal is the people in the Philippine Islands that's not going to hear about Jesus unless somebody goes. And they can't go unless somebody sends them. That's us. It'd be awesome if somebody from here would love to go. I can't wait for the day. I long for the day that somebody, during a missions conference that we have here every fall, that somebody's heart would begin to ache and quake for the things of God and end up becoming a missionary that we could send out from Bethesda. Not only somebody out from some other church, but from our church. I really do. I look forward to the day that somebody says, God's called me. i got to go. And we as a church will get behind one of our own and send one of our own. Pray about that with me. It's something I've been longing for for a long time. I just hope it's not me. <laughs> you never know. So... Never say never. I've learned that throughout life. So I won't say I won't go because if God tells me, I will. Number five. Uh-oh. This one's going to hurt. Kevin, raise your feet. Everybody probably knows what this one is. Could you guess, Rachel, just what what is his passion? Yeah. Yeah, the most passion he's got about anything. What's... What's the one, no, 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 no. What's the one thing if you took away from him, he would just squall like a mash cat? Yeah, there you go. Huh? 
Guns. Wow. Yeah. Rachel got it. Number five is guns. The Americans idolize guns. I never even thought of this. I didn't even think. This author found this, and I was like, really? But it's true. We idolize guns. How many, how many articles do you see the NRA putting out about the, the Second Amendment says this and you cannot infringe upon the rights of those and blah, 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 and we got the life of liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and they just go on quoting the Constitution, and just, I, which I kind of agree with. I, I love it. I'm glad for it. But the thing is, anything we put before God becomes an idol. So, Kevin, don't love guns more than you love God. It's as simple as that. You can love your guns. But just don't love them more than God. Don't spend more time with your gun, patting on your gun, than you do. Oh, God, thank you. You can thank you, thank you for the guns, God. Do that. It's about time. Guns. It's amazing. I would have never even thought to put that on a list, but it's truth about what the American church is. And I said it this morning that there's people that come to our services that's packing heat. There's people that's got concealed carry weapons that's probably hid in their belt or probably in their boot or I don't know. Kevin's sitting there smiling. He's probably got one. I don't know. It's okay. I'm okay with that, right? It's, it kind of feels safe, don't it? Now, now everybody's looking around. Yeah, come through the door and mess with us. Why don't you? Just come on, come on in. Try it. Try me. Well, don't try me. Try Kevin. He's one of the... I hate giving you away that you're packing there, but... There was a church a few years ago... Uh, down in Louisville, Kentucky. It was Assembly God Church uh, in Louisville, Kentucky that the pastor got on this big trip. It was during one of the election seasons. They was talking about gun rights and all this. And he got so in, 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 enthroned in it and so just caught up in the moment that all the guys in the church, they come in one Sunday and they all had holsters on and everybody in the service was packing heat. They had outward, not, not hiding it. I mean, Jason, it was everybody sitting around with pistols on their hip and it's like, a church service of Western or something. I don't know. Uh, who's Debo's star he loved this morning? John Wayne. That's who Debo said he loved. So it's like John Wayne moment. You know, everybody sitting around and, and made national news. There was national news channels that broadcast from this church, uh, this church service, Assembly God Church, where people had guns in the service to prove a point that we think Americans ought to be able to carry guns. But what should we carry to church service more than guns? power of God the presence of God our Bibles it's amazing how many things we can make an idol if we don't put ourselves in check or if we don't listen God what things am I putting before you number four I love this one too the automobile the American church idolizes automobiles Especially, you know, you look at some of those big high-rolling TV preachers, and, and I'm not beating up on TV preachers because I love some of them, and I've listened to a lot of them through my life, but they, it's about the bling-bling. You know what I'm saying? They'll be driving around their Bentleys and, and their big uh, fancy Mercedes and all these different things and different Porsche, you know, every, every kind of fancy car they'll be driving around in it because they, they idolize and it symbolizes uh, social status about what automobile you drive. And it's that way for us, you know. Which me, uh, growing up poor, I remember when I got my first car and Kevin's rode in my first car. We, we used to hang out when we was teeny boppers and, and run around, you know. And, and uh, Dad took me to these car auctions. It's like, okay, we're going to go car auction. We're going to get you a car. So he says, I've got like $1,500. I'm going to help you buy a car. I was like, yes, $1,500. This is going to go good, you know. 
and we take off the car auctions and look around and I look at these different cars and trucks and different things and, and it seemed like everyone would go too, too much. It's like more than $1,500. And finally I got this bright ideal. I think it was up in Green up where we was at is uh, where this car came from. It's either there or Mount Sterling, one or the other. There's so much going on at the age of 16 that just overwhelmed with uh, emotions, you know. But uh, some way or another, there was this uh, car come through, and it was a little black car. And it was awesome looking. It was like the sports car uh, of a lifetime. And, and I was sitting there looking at it, and I was like, oh, this is the one. You know, it's, it's going to go through. It's going to be cheap, you know. And Dad was letting me bid, and I was getting to raise my hand, you know, 16 years old, so that's what you need to do with Ryan. Where are you taking Jason? Don't do it for him. Uh, Amy, keep your hand down. You'll be buying something fancy. Jason, let him do it and give him a mount and let him do it. It trains him for further uh, in future. So as I were bidding, I thought I got this mindset. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this one cheap. And when I get it cheap, I'm going to have extra money. Then I'm going to go up to Super Sounds and spend money with Greg Hall to get these big booming radios and all this stuff. You know, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be a real car. So I get through there, and it comes through, and I buy it for $600. Woo! Yeah! I had fifteen hundred. I just spent six. This is awesome. A Ford Tempo. I was tore up. I was like, "Yes, a Ford Tempo. I'm going to get to drive it. It's going to be awesome because I'm going to have loud speakers and I'm going to tint the windows." And and I bought front wheel drive or rear wheel drive wheels and stuck on it. And they were sticking out past the fenders this far. And it looked like a yeah, it looked like one of them cars. I told Dad when I got through the line, you know, it's like, oh, good, I've gotten about $900 extra. Now I'm spending. He said, where you got $900? Like, well, you said I got $1,500. I, I can do math, right? If you, I was pretty dumb in school, but I'd learned about stuff that was valuable, important to me, so I was pretty good with numbers, took business math. It's like, yep, $1,500, getting $600 car, got $900 left. He said, no, I told you you could spend up to $1,500. Wah, wah, wah. There went the tinted windows and loudspeakers and all that stuff. I went ahead and saved. I worked hard. And I don't know if you remember me at that age, Greg, but I was a hooligan, hoodlum. I worked at the gas station down there for Randy Thomas pump, pumping, Thompson pumping gas. I, I, I mowed the uh, Quincy Post Office yard. I, I bid on that and got the bid to go down and mow the yard and got money doing that. I put in hay for Bill Ruggles. I cut Bill Ruggles' tobacco. We raised mom and dad's tobacco. We worked. Me and Howie worked. And that's one thing I thank God that my dad showed me how to do. Huh? Garbage route with Rick Kamer. Done all kinds of things to make money. To get what, to earn what I got. Rather than somebody giving it to me. And that's something this generation needs to hear. I wish more of the teenagers here, but Dusty can tell them. got to work. Right? If you want things, you got to work. He was just telling me right before church. He's like, man, Dad had me over cutting wood. He's over at Glance's house cutting wood. That's awesome that your dad teaches you to work because you'll never forget that. And it's a quality that you'll, you'll cherish when you get older because you got friends that your dad don't make them do anything. You're going to know how to raise a garden. A lot of your buddies in school has no idea what it's like to till a garden and plant seeds in the ground and watch it grow. They don't have a clue. You're blessed. And highly favored. Amen? Amen. Things matter. Yes. Think on these things, the real things. The automobile. I about waxed the paint off that car. Washed it so many times. I, you know, my $600 car, I washed it like every week, be out there cleaning on it and stuff. Now I've got cars that's worth a lot more than that. 
and I wash them once a year, you know, like my truck. It's like every now and then be like, eh, might go out and wash today. A little warm, looks nice. Back then, my $600 Ford Tempo, I was like, yeah, it's going to look awesome. I'm going to I'm going to get the buffer wheel out and shine it, and I'm going to wax it. It's going to be really cool. Number three, fame and celebrities. People worship in the in the church today that people worship other people and humans and celebrities. You think this is true? How many's got a favorite band or singers, favorite group they really like? I, I like music. Everybody didn't raise your hand, just lied. You're going to hell. It's just it's part of the Bible. I know you got. I don't care if it's Boston or Journey or who it is. Some the Eagles. You know, there's all kinds of people out there. You can have CCR. Oh, I'm I'm too far back. I'm showing my age here. I'm I'm getting older by the minute talking about some of these groups. Everybody's like, well, who's that? I'm talking about Justin Bieber and you know some of these other people. No, not going there. It's not my celebrity. What about an actor? Anybody like to follow certain actors, and anytime their movie comes out, it's like, oh no, I can't wait for that movie. I'm going to run right straight to the movies, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to eat popcorn, and I'm going to have pop, and I'm going to eat them little things, the little white seeds over that chocolate. I don't even know what they are, but they're good. Huh? Oh, snow caps. Those are awesome with popcorn and pop. They don't get any better than that. And it's like, you can't wait for this actor's movie to come out, and, 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 uh, I don't know who yours is. I don't even know who mine is. I don't even. I can watch a movie and five minutes later I don't even remember what it's about. Unless it's like, you remember we went and watched that movie. I'm like, I don't remember. I don't pay no attention to it. it. I like watching movies, but they just don't stick with me. If I read a book about history, it gets ingrained in here and I just think on it. It's just the way I'm wired. I'm sorry. It's the way I am. Celebrities don't mean much to me. You can watch a movie with Ernie, and he can tell you every movie they've ever been in and what their role was and how they acted it out. And, and uh, Some people, Greg's guilty of that too. He's sitting here and, and just loves movies and loves, loves that kind of stuff. I, I don't get it. I don't do it. Uh, don't put that before God. <laughs> Never put that before God. Number two, I love this one. That it's kind of true, uh, probably for some people in this room. It's called uh, Collegiate Sports. Here we go. Too bad Sean ain't here. Me and Dusty loves sending him text, and we got a me and Dusty and Sean's got this three-way text group thing, whatever it is, and and we're constantly man, we well, it's two on one. We beat him up. He 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 can't he can't outdo two of us. You know, we'll start lighting in on him and wearing him out about his college because he loves O H I O. He's, he's a Buckeyes fan, and, and even last year when he went down to that concert down there, got in the middle of a concert, in the middle of Rupp Arena, and he stands up, O-H! Thousands of people in the arena. Everybody's like, I'm not saying I owe. Even if there was another Ohio fan there, they knew, not in this place. This ain't the place for that. Sean didn't know no better. He did it anyway. But collegiate sports takes precedence over church. For a lot of Christians, and I love Pastor Chris Hodges, and he he's from uh, Louisiana, but he lives in, and he's pastoring in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's there. And Birmingham, Alabama is the like the college uh, football; it's the capital of the world, I guess. It's like roll tide, you know. Everybody's like, "Woo, yeah, Alabama, whatever." I don't even know anything much about it other than that. So as he gets there and he moves to this town, everybody wears him out because he he went to LSU. That's his alma mater. That's that's where he went to school, you know, and. and 
So as he's, he's there, he loves LSU still. Even though he's living in this town where Roll Tide is, he's rooting for the LSU Tigers. Everybody knows what LSU stands for, right? Loser State University. That's, that's, that's the name of their school, the Loser State University. That's where Leslie loves. She's, she's got the LSU uh, uh, garb. She's got some of their uh, clothing, sweatshirts, and that kind of stuff that she'll wear because that's where she went to Bible school, and it's down there in Louisiana, and it's just the, that's what you do. If you live in Louisiana, you love that school, and yeah. So there's people that love their sports. And we live in a, oh, man. We live in a state where this is really an idol. Amen. It's really an idol here because in Kentucky, we we don't we watch football and we're all about that, you know, but when it comes basketball season, that's when we get we get right. You know what I'm saying? We we we'll put our passion in, we'll set it to a screen no matter what time of day it is. Ernie goes to bed at nine o'clock every night, but if it's UK playing, he's gonna stay up to twelve, sitting there and hollering at the TV. And if you ever watched a ball game with Ernie, you know what I'm talking about, right, Leslie? Karen, he he's pretty passionate about his ball team. So here's how it is, UK. It's like, whoa, yeah, go get him! And, you know, he's hollering and all this. And, and I'm sitting there like the first time I was around, like, what in the world? I didn't know anything about this. So, But there's people passionate about UK. And think about this. What if Coach Cal lost six games in a row? Six in a row to no-name teams. What would happen? They'd fire him. They'd run him out of the state. They would get him a one-way plane ticket down to Florida or something, say, adios, amigos, I'll see you later. They'd run him off. Why? Because it's our heaven-sent team that we need a good coach. But sometimes you'll come here and listen to bad sermons six weeks in a row and you ain't run me off yet. Where's our priorities, man? A bad coach would get run off, but a bad pastor gets to hang around. So it really is true that college sports is an idol in the land in which we live. Number one. Everybody's ready for number one, right? It's like, oh, God, we're all the way from seven down to one. This is, it's going to be over soon. We're on number one. Yeah, we're going to go eat. It's going to be awesome. So here's number one that this author found out of the idols in America. I was kind of surprised by it, actually. Kind of Hmm. Wouldn't have thought been number one, surely not. But apparently, when you go to big towns, it's true that there's people I've seen pretty passionate about this. That it takes precedence over their church attendance. It takes precedence over missing work, maybe for even a season or a time it's professional sports professional sports being an idol in America think that's true go to Greg's shop he could have a big picture of Jesus hanging on that back wall what's he have on the big back wall back there Donna the Oakland Raiders they haven't won in 45 years, but Greg's still a diehard fan that, right, Dusty, he's, he's 
you know, every year, we're here, we're going to win this year, it's going to be awesome. People love professional sports. And, and recently there was a, a, a guy I was working with, and we was over at Portsmouth teaching. And, you know, normally we're up in Ashland, but this year we're over in Portsmouth. And, and he's there teaching, and we went out to eat one day and was driving down the street. And I was like, yeah, this, this, and he, he loves ball. I mean, he loves professional sports. And I was like, yeah, this is uh, the home of the Detroit Lions. Portsmouth? What are you talking about? Like, yeah, it's the, it's the home of the Detroit Lions. Like, what are you talking about? That's in Detroit. That's a little bit north, Ben. Maybe your geography's bad. Maybe you don't understand where you're at. No, really, there's Portsmouth Spartans. It's a, it's a stadium down over the river. And, and he said, nah, you're crazy. I said, I'm telling you. There was an NFL team in Portsmouth. He's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh-oh, I'm driving. We get an hour lunch. We go down, and I'll pull him in. And right there over the parking lot at the Port, uh, uh, Portsmouth Spartans, Stadium, and I pull him in, Ernie, and sit there, and the big sign right out front, the Portsmouth Spartan, Spartan Stadium. And he's like, man, that's cool. My dad won't believe this. And he got out, and he went over and stood by the sign, and he left his phone with me. He said, here, take my picture. I should have just pulled off. I, if I had to do over again, I probably would have. But no, I took his picture, and he, he sent it to his dad. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm here at the Portsmouth Spartan Stadium. And, you know, and just recently, this past year, they'd done a big row and, and a, a row call and all this stuff. And you had to go through and get to all this. Uh, uh, it's like a, uh, I don't know what the word is, where that they get enough votes to win. A poll or something like that. I don't know what, you, what it was, but. It was on, on, online, on the internet, and, and people had to go and like and submit, please give this money, because there's money out there for NFL teams and, and, and to help uh, 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 where they began. So Portsmouth won $25,000 grant to freshen up the Portsmouth Spartan State. They, the last time the season was here was in 1933, I think. And we're going to get a grant for $25,000, and I'm glad. I'm glad for Portsmouth. I don't want Portsmouth to fail. I don't want Vanceburg to fail. I don't want Lewis County to fail. I don't want our hometowns to fail. I thank God for the region of the world that I live. But here they're going to get $25,000 on a stadium that hasn't been played in for 80 years. Tell me number one isn't number one. When, when's the last time you've seen a group that would drive through South Shore and see the little white church sitting over there by the road on the left. Empty, empty parking lot, empty structure, no longer a church, no longer a meeting place for people. That somebody drove by that saying, oh, we should have done better taking care of that. Tell me our priorities aren't wrong. When God points them to us, sometimes we'll see that the things that we worship aren't eternal. That's why Jesus told us. He said, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Lay up for yourself treasure. It talks about us being earthen vessels. That while we're here, we're to do the work of the kingdom. How many things do we have that comes before God? I would say it's more than we think. When in truth, we'll get truthful. So today I want us to understand this, that if we're going to talk about permission, we need to start asking God for more permission 
in the things that we do, the actions we take. Because at the end, just like this building, I love this building, and we'll take care of this building, and we'll paint, and we'll clean, and we'll we'll make sure stuff keeps working. And you know, last year a leak happened, and water line leaked, and rent the carpet, and and Jason come up and drug it out and put it back in, and and we'll fix what goes wrong here. But we're not going to get to heaven and God say, "Well done, thy good and successful builder." When we get to heaven, He's going to say, "Well done." thy good and successful servant. If there's anything that Bethesda and our region needs, it's people that will serve. When Leslie was talking about starting a nursery, because there's five little hooligans every Sunday morning down there at Vanceburg running around. And I'm talking about hooligans too. Little Ledger, I love him. And we done a baby dedication a few years ago, little baby Ledger, the Sylvie, Eric Sylvie's little boy. And we done a dedication, I held him in my arms, and I looked there, stood at the church, and the way a baby dedication works like this, I stand and I challenge the parents to raise them in a godly home, because that's important. One thing you parents need to understand, you, you better raise your babies to know who God is. That's the most important thing, the most important job you'll ever have. Raise them to know God. Then I look at the grandparents and the others, maybe the extended family that comes around, I'll challenge them. Make sure Baby Ledger's got a good godly influence from you guys too. I love it. My mom's got my nieces here tonight. Why? Because it's important. It's most important. And I stood there and I looked at that church, the rest of the body, and I'm usually holding these little babies, and I don't even like to hold babies. I think they'll break. Everybody says they won't, but I know that I'll be the one that breaks one. And put them in my arms, and I'm letting her like, yeah. Here's the challenge, church. How many will commit to this little baby that you'll do everything in your power to make sure that he's got a church that he can attend and worship and learn to serve God and learn to love people? And everybody in that church building will always say, I'll do my part, baby Ledger. And I hold that to a commitment like that to high regard, Ernie. Every time I see Ledger, it crosses my mind. i got to hang in there for Ledger. And there's often times in my life, I'm telling you, you don't know what it's like pastoring. Because a lot of Monday mornings you get up and you think, man, I'm just done. I can't do it anymore. The burden's too much. I can't bear it anymore. And I'll think about, I can't. I can't walk away. Why? Because I'm called. This ain't something I want to do. It's something I'm called to do. I can't walk away. Someday, who knows, I might be a missionary. After saying that thing I said, well, go. Don't ever say stuff like that. It's, it's wearing me out now. It's in the back of my mind. It's like, ooh, yeah. Brag, why don't you? Scary stuff. Make commitments to them little babies downstairs. When Leslie said we need to have a service for them, that there needs to be a nursery. I know when I went to Bob Russell's church last year down in Louisville or a couple years ago, the people in his church gives three hours a week to their church. It's a church of 30,000 people. And every member that signs a membership card gives three hours a week. Worship an hour, learn an hour, and serve an hour. 
week. Worship an hour, learn an hour, and serve an hour. That's Bob Russell's philosophy in ministry. And there's 30,000 people that come from a church that he started with in the 70s with none. What if the people of Bethesda would worship an hour, learn an hour, and serve an hour? What kind of church would this be? What if you went down there for that hour-long service on Sunday morning? You normally attend here, worship here, go down there and serve in the nursery. What if? It's the only way it's ever going to get done. I, it's just reality. Service is where it's at. Love God and love people. Quit worshiping things because we're all guilty. Let's stand. I'll give my dollar to BGMC. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes with me, if you will. I want to ask you, maybe you're here and you've just listen to this sermon today and feel God's spirit tugging at your heart and he's telling you that some of these things are reality in your life and he's saying stop worshiping things and begin worshiping me and he's calling you he's drawing you to a closer walk with him and I'm telling you right now, if God calls you and draws you, he'll meet you past the halfway mark. If you just give a little bit of effort, he'll make up the extra difference. Is there anybody here who will just lift their hand and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me that I'll learn how to serve God better, that I'll quit worshiping things, that I'll quit having idols that comes before God. Is there anybody here to lift your hand? Amen. Amen. Hands all over the place. It's awesome. It's awesome. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the congregation of Bethesda. God, I just pray that, Lord, as this message today, Lord, it's quickened our hearts in this place. Lord, your spirit is true, that your spirit is a witness to us. And Lord, that you line us out from time to time. Lord, I thank you for messages like this. Lord, that's challenging. But, Lord, you're only challenging us so that we can become better, that we can do the things that you've called us to do. And, Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hand, and even the ones that maybe were too timid and didn't want to, were afraid to, but, Lord, they wanted to. I pray for them right now even too, Lord. Cause us to become your servants. Because help us to become more like you. Lord, let us lean on you in all areas of our life. Let us put you first. Help us to overcome all obstacles in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.